Welcome to episode 286 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. If you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. If you've enjoyed listening to Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating the podcast with five stars. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a review. Your ratings and reviews help new people find the show. And if you know someone that you think will like Stageworthy, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I knew told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 286 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. On this episode, Toronto-based actor and writer... Caroline Toll. Let's start with your origin story. What made you want to get into theater? Mm. Well, I grew up in um, Orangeville, Ontario. And uh, it's a pretty artsy town, especially now. But even when I grew up, it was, I mean, it was much, a much smaller population, but it was artsy even then. And um, there was, we have a professional theater, Theater Orangeville. Um, We have a pretty like serious community theater, if you can, yeah, you could say that, serious community theater, um, who like they do musicals. Um, And through, Orangeville uh, Theater, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) through Orangeville Theater, they had a young company and it was run by different people all the time, but it was a summer camp. And um, this particular year that I auditioned um, was run by Pablo Felicier Luna, who used to run Carousel and now I think is the artistic director. I want to say somewhere out west and mm. I'm kicking myself for not knowing this but anyway he's fabulous and ama- amazing theater practitioner and um I auditioned when I was like I think I was 12 and it, we were doing the hobbit and I got in and he directed us and it was for the summer and he treated us like real actors like he mm. truly like we went through everything with objectives and all this and kind of learning that and being treated like a real actor when you're 12 was a, was a Mm. big deal for me. It was so cool. And, um, I kind of fell in love with it that way. Although I'd also been taken to like, my parents took me to like Mervish and stuff when I was like five, six, seven. Sure. I saw theater then too, but I think the Orangeville, um, theater young company really, uh, really did it for me. Was there, I mean, you, you mentioned going to see shows. Was there something that, that sparked your interest in theater? Um, or did your parents just say, well, maybe she's, 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 we should send her off to this theater Orangeville thing or how did that, um, how did you even yeah. get drawn to that? I mean, oh my gosh, I don't even know, to be honest. I mean, w- I I know I asked to go, but I don't know why. So I obviously was showing some interest <laughs> um, in it, but I'm not really sure why, to be honest, to be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, there are some people who have a moment. They can very distinctly say, I went to the theater, I saw this, and that was it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. I, as far as I can remember for myself, I was always making people put on plays with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know how I knew what a play was, but I was always <laughs> making people put on plays with me. So it was like... It was always what I was going to do after, you know, policeman, astronaut, that sort of thing. But once it once the 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 childhood, uh, uh, what are you going to do when you grow up thing sort of settled into into actual stuff. It was pretty much always going to be theater. Were you like um, 
Were you like an outgoing child? Um, see, here's the thing. I am an introvert mm-hmm. and I've pretty much always been an introvert. That means that at home, when I was comfortable, yes, absolutely outgoing. I talked a lot um, with the friends that came over. I could be, um, I, I would make things happen. I'd be like, all right, we're going to do this play or whatever, but send me to school and I would be quiet and, 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 and sort of keeping to myself in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think same for me. Sounds the exact same as me, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And what was funny for me is that when I, you know, was a, a person getting out of theater school and, and, or even through theater school and trying to, trying to get into the world, I thought, well, obviously, since I'm an actor, I am an extrovert. And I put, <laughs> oh, I lied to myself for so long. Like, yeah, I feel just, like people do that because they expect, yeah. I don't know, there's an expectation that you're supposed to be an extrovert or something because just because you're in an entertainment job and, and because it's kind of part of the job to like be able to talk to, not that as an introvert, you can't, but it's kind of part of the job to be able to be social, which you totally can as an introvert, but it's, I don't know. (laughs) I always found that it's like people, I think, confuse introvert with shy. Yeah. So they're like, oh, how can you stand to get up on stage if you're an introvert? And I'm like, no, I'm not shy. Yeah. And I'll be honest, um, I, I'm fine if there's an audience. I can even improvise and like make stuff up and make it seem entertaining if there's an audience. But if it's a room full of people and they're like, listen, you have to go and talk to five people just to, just to make sure that you've made this party worthwhile. I'm like, I'm just going to go home. Phil, me too. I'm the exact same way. If I have to stand up in front of people as myself, I mean, if I had, I guess, a speech that I was going to say, then maybe Mm -hmm. it'd be different. But if I'm just speaking off the cuff, oh my God, it's, it's nerve wracking for me. (laughs) I also don't feel like the most eloquent person. I always, it's funny, like I read so much and always have. And I feel like I should have this like <laughs> huge vocabulary for the amount I have read, but I, I've always felt about myself that I'm not the most eloquent. So I think that's also part of the, my fear of speaking in public as myself without a script. I mean, it's, it's funny because the whole idea of being eloquent, it's like you can write eloquently, but, but you know, you have to talk like a person. <laughs> and I think yeah. sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, no, I have to use a lot of big words. Yeah. And you don't, because that's sometimes a dick move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, now, out of theater school, um, oh, first off, as far as choosing George Brown, did you audition for a number of other schools or did you did you know what school you wanted to go to? Yeah, no. I Okay, so in high school, I was truly choosing between going to theater school or going into journalism. Um, and I chose theater school. Uh-huh. Uh, and I auditioned and I knew nothing. Like I didn't go in, I knew nothing about theater school at all, or even training at all. Um, I, my teacher kind of pointed me in the direction of auditioning for NTS, um, Ryerson and George Brown. And I did all those. And the only, (laughs) the only one that wanted me was George Brown. Uh, Hmm. bless you, George Brown. Thanks so much. (laughs) And so I went there. Um, (laughs) Because I didn't get into the other two, but I only auditioned for three for mm. three schools, and uh, that's just because I wanted to stay in Ontario. I was also really young; like I, I was seventeen when I went to um, George Brown. Oh shit! I know, and then I turned eighteen, like right at the at the beginning of school, obviously. But I, um, yeah, I was I was super young. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I I was eighteen, right? Yeah. I was like like right there. I remember, you know, we are the head of acting when I was there was was Peter Wild, and he mm. would look at our entire class of like 18 year olds. And he'd just be like, I wish you were older. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's a part of me that wishes I could go back now. Cause I actually really enjoyed theater school. I really loved the structure. I loved being able to work on um, my craft. If that's not too nerdy to say every day. And I would go back, but I I would go, I wish I could somehow go back yet be older. Cause Mm. I think I would have gotten a lot more out of it, obviously. I know 100% I would have got more out of it. Yeah. That said, I mean, I don't know when you were in school, but they were still doing cuts when I was in theater school. Mm-hmm, and that was same. something that became apparent at the first 
Christmas break. Um, and from that point on, and because there would be people and I was one of them that was like, well, you're just scraping through like, like, all right, you walk into that, 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 that interview and they'd be like, well, we're going to cut you. And you've struggled to convince them to let you to stay and they let you stay. Yeah. I spent the entire time in fear. Yeah. But I also, as much as I want to go back, because I think I would get more out of it, I wouldn't be this punk ass kid who is like, uh, like, like fighting against what they were trying to teach me. But I think I would also have not accepted a lot of the bullshit. You know what? That's so true. Yeah. That part of it. Yes. Uh, you're right. There's definitely parts of it that as an adult, he would be like, um, no, thanks. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, when so just, I want to, I want to like, you know, we've done a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, of chatting about your origin story, but there's another origin story I want to talk about. And that's, um, what was happening for you a year and a month ago, uh, when the pandemic started, what, what was your situation at that time? Right. Um, okay. So right at the beginning of the great pause, God. I, uh, okay. So I was, I had a gig and I was really excited about it. I was going to go to, um, do the Melville boys at the foster festival and Cam Laurie, who I had just done a show with, um, the show that I had just done in January of 2020, January, February was Casimir and Caroline and Cam from that show was cast in the show as well. And, um, we were going to go out to St. Catharines and do our show. And that was going to be this summer. And then at the beginning, you know, everything shut down and, yeah. you know, I heard talk of people's gigs being gone. And, and then of course that one, you know, was gone. So I was pretty bummed from that. And, uh, and then, Oh God, it's so hard to talk about because there's so, because I've had, <laughs> I've gone through so many emotions, I'm sure, as we all have. Of course. Through this whole thing that it's like hard to remember exactly where I was. But I know the beginning of the pandemic, obviously, I went into major anxiety mode mm -hmm. because of the virus and because I was insanely afraid of it. Yeah. Um, but also because of the, you know, being our industry being completely shut down. And I mostly work in theater. It's like truly, I really don't work that much in, in film and TV. So it's mostly theater. And that is, that is still pretty much gone. It was really scary and made me kind of, yeah, go into, uh, a low key depression, not even low key yeah. depression. <laughs> I think we have to be able to talk about that. I think oh, that, totally. that, that, you know, we can't go through pretending like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I kept doing projects and everything was fine. I think we have to acknowledge that. Mm. My God. Um, yeah. Of it, course. It's been a difficult time. It's been hella difficult. Mm -hmm. I, I would have anxiety dreams. I'm not even joking every other night. And w one night it would be like being chased by a dinosaur. But then the next night it would always be an anxiety acting dream. And I've had them pretty much this entire time for like, a year and however long it's been um and it would i would have anxiety acting dreams that that a lot of us get um you know not being not going on stage not remembering your lines mm -hmm. or being locked out of the theater or it was that all the time and i was like oh man i like i knew i cared about theater but <laughs> i really care about theater. <laughs> yeah. i really care about it yeah i really miss it um yeah yeah, that was the beginning. That was like the first. And then I went into major anxiety mode and kind mm. of like to off put that I would work out vigor vigorously, which wasn't a bad thing. It was good um, for me mentally. And I started to like be like, okay, well, what else can I do? What else? Mm. I've got to be doing stuff or else, you know, I can't just sit around because I'm going to start feeling really bad. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can fucking swear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I was kind of went into like, not manic mode, but a little bit more like, oh, well, I gotta, I gotta do stuff. So I started taking, um, classes, which were really great. I took Haley McGee's, 
um, quarantine challenge, I think that's what it's called. And that was really, really fun. And it was just a, doing a, a short commitment of like writing every day for a certain amount of time. And then about half, like six months in, I took through Ghostlight Theater, they were offering free classes. And I took, I was lucky enough to get chosen. I don't know how they chose, but I, I was lucky enough to get chosen to do um, a playwriting 101 course with Aaron Shields. Mm. And that, I'm so grateful for that class because it was a long period of time. It was like over, I think like seven weeks, like one class a week. And it got me into writing, which truly has kept me going through this mm. because I really haven't worked. Like in 2020, I I worked, I think maybe five days total. Yeah. And it was, it was rough. Yeah. And it's like that, it's still a little rough, but at least I have better kind of coping mechanisms, I think, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping. Now, so for you, writing is, is really new. Yeah. Well, I've been writing all my life. I've always, to, when I was a kid, I wanted, like, I wanted to be a writer. That was what I wanted to do. And I always wrote stories. I would always be writing like fan fiction when I got older and stuff. Um, but, and I was always writing in journals, but until recently, like maybe the last five years, I kind of stopped journaling and I didn't write as much for pleasure. Um, and then through the quarantine has got, have got more into it. And I wrote, I wrote my first play um during this time hmm. which has been great and it's been like a struggle but it has it's like the only thing that's kept me going so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh i felt like i had to do it out of necessity more than like oh i've got to create something to further my career it's like no i got to just like put my artistic need into something so i've gotten back into writing which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. writing is, is, I mean, as far as like, you know, it, it can be both wonderful and torturous. Yeah. Um, it goes, it has those cycles and sometimes at the same time, I've yeah. had moments of, of just being completely unable to, to write anything. Mm -hmm. And then other times of like, Oh, no, no, I can write something and it may not last long, but at least I wrote something. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I kind of like, like, I don't know, there's something about those, like, there's something about the struggle of writing that I really like. I don't know why, because it's really hard. And you one day read your stuff and you're like, this is absolute trash. What am I doing? Mm. And then another time you read it and you're like, okay, it's not that bad. It's not mm. that bad. But I kind of, I don't know, there's something about it that I, I really love. But I guess it goes without saying that also like the reason I started writing during this time too is because I needed agency over something. Sure. I needed agency over uh, something. And mm -hmm. that, and writing is such a good way for like, especially actors too, just mm -hmm. even if it wasn't quarantine, even if it, we didn't have this virus, it's such a good thing to do because you are, you can you you don't have to rely on anyone else which is literally yes. like the whole part of our it's like a lot of our job which is really which is something i struggle with it's always you know it seems like someone else is the gatekeeper of your career mm. Mm. that's certainly true which is why you know self producing becomes attractive to a lot of people and totally. and that sort of thing and 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 writing sometimes goes hand in hand with that um yeah now Having having started to to write this play, do you feel like that's something? Oh, first off, um, sorry, I lost my entire train of thought. Let that's me take okay. a note to remind myself that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> train of thought. Um, this play does it have a title? It does. Um, it's called Survivors. Mm -hmm. I got two grants. Another thing, I'm really so I'm proud of myself for writing the play. Because I'm the kind of person who starts stuff and, or sorry, I should correct, I'm going to correct myself. I was the kind of person who would start things and end them because it was too hard. <laughs> like mm -hmm, I do it all the mm -hmm. time or have like tons of ideas for things, like creative things, and then would start it and be like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too much. And I would get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and stop. And this is truly the first thing self-generated like self that I've 
finished. Hmm. I mean, I'm only on my second draft, but I've finished those drafts and I'm really proud of myself. But another thing I'm really proud of myself for is um, grant writing. I did, I wrote my first grants to get money to write this. Um, and I got, and I ended up getting two grants and big nice. shout out to Aaron Jan, who yes. is amazing. And he like hopped on a zoom call with me and I like threw him a small amount of money um, for all his wonderful information. And he's like the reason I got grants. So mm, if anyone's listening, awesome. who, yeah. So yeah, I got some grants from um, Studio 180 mm-hmm. and Workman Arts. Mm. And um, that was so cool because I was like, wow, someone actually like maybe cares and thinks this is like cool or like worth something. That's, that's mm. neat. So um, yeah, it's called survivors and, um, it's, uh, do you want to know what it's about? <laughs> sure. Please tell me. <laughs> okay. So, um, it is the story of two sisters who were kind of, um, like low key estranged at the time, uh, the play begins, their mother has, um, died suddenly by suicide. And so they go back to the house that they grew up in to, uh, stay there and try to figure out kind of how to go on and to, um, to deal with it, to do, mm-hmm. to try to deal with it and to try to figure out what next. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about their, it's a, it's about their different complicated griefs and the way they deal with it. And they both have opposing ways of mm-hmm. dealing with it. And of course they clash and, um, they struggle and they come upon their own mental health struggles within the play. It's interesting to me that at a time when you are working through your grief about theater, <laughs> that you're writing a play about, about grief. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, uh, that was not lost on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, when I started writing, I actually, um, when I started writing during this time, I did not start on this play. Um, I started on something way lighter. I wanted to write and no one steal this idea, although it's been done before, but <laughs> so maybe steal it. But I wanted to write like a zombie apocalypse play. I wanted to write something really fun, mm-hmm. really silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just wasn't working. And I felt like I needed to write this other one also because I was working through grief Mm. of my own that was, didn't have to do with um, the quarantine. So Mm. that's me. I just felt like I needed to tell this story Mm. and it's been, it's been definitely hard to do during, during a time that is also a dark period, which is why I only work on it like an hour a day Mm -hmm. because I can't work on it more than that because it's, because it's painful, but also because it's just like so dark and such a dark time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's funny how writing can be helpful when I, you know, for years I was like, I'm going to write a solo play. And then I had an idea and I just couldn't make it work. Mm. Um. I was like, it's going to be about this guy who's an atheist and he, you know, he, God starts talking to him. And I was like, that's great and all. And it's going to be hilarious. And <laughs> first off, they, you can't really say that right then. But also um, for, at the time that I started writing it, there was something missing. And it wasn't until I started putting, you know, fictionalizing, but putting my own grief uh, from that I was still dealing with years after, after, uh, uh losing someone I loved very much to suicide, um, really? into the play. Yeah. And through that, s- somehow being able to, to have this catharsis that I hadn't been able to have before that. Really? And you found that through your writing? Through the writing and performing it. Wow. Wow. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, that's, that's really cool that, 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 that happened, that you've felt some sort of catharsis from it and writing and performing it. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm a new wish. I'm, I'm a new writer, especially I'm a new mm. playwright for sure. I'm really yeah. learning as I go, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, I had something really good to say. <laughs> <laughs> hold up, hold up. Um 
it has escaped me. It'll come back to me. It'll come back. I think. I'm sure it will. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Um, it, oh, I remember. I remember. Okay, good. <laughs> it's um, I I really feel like from from everything that I've read because I've been reading books on playwriting as well and doing like watching some master classes, um, like David Mamet's master class and whatever mm-hmm. on writing and, um, it just seems like yeah, you really. You kind of have to put yourself, you don't necessarily have to write uh, about yourself at all or your experiences, but you gotta, there's gotta be some heart in it or else it just doesn't maybe, or or else, yeah, exactly. Or else you won't want to finish it Yeah, because you don't, you know, you're not super connected to it. I don't know. Maybe that's extremely obvious to say, but. (laughs) You know, but I think that a lot of people, you know, it's, it's. It's not necessarily intuitive because you could go through it. I'm going to write a play or whatever, and it's going to be it's going to be funnier. It's going to be moving, but unless you're really connected to it, yeah, you know, the unless you are you you have a connection to the emotions that are happening there, you really the audience feels it. I think, you know? yeah, totally, totally. Now, one of the things that I did want to talk to you about is 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 about how you're doing now as far as theater goes. How are you feeling? Um, how do, are you hopeful for the future? How what is your current state of mind? Mm. Did you hear that big sigh I just gave? I did. I did. There was a lot in that sigh. <laughs> it was really in. That was involuntary. Um, I feel like that sigh. I feel so many emotions. I feel lost. Mm-hmm. I know it's a dark way to start, but I feel lost. I feel <sighs> Okay, what was your question? It's 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 the state of the state of theater. Sorry, well, can you just talk about again? like I just want to I yeah, I, yeah, I want to let you go where your brain takes you okay. because I think that that's really important because we're talking sort of esoterically about theater and your relationship to it yeah. right now. Yeah. But let your let I want to I want your story I want you to talk about how you're feeling okay okay cool 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 um you're great this Phil good job um okay so basically ah right now I I go through so many ups and downs with theater right now I'm so sad that it's that it's not a thing right now um physically I know it's a thing sometimes online I've watched a couple shows online it's been cool no I haven't loved all of all of them but some of them were cool but it's just it's just not the same it's not the same being being without being there and being present in seeing living breathing people in front of you being with in a, in a dark room with people um experiencing uh it and hearing people's little chatter and comments and gasps and stuff. Um, I'm getting literally emotional talking about this. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay because this is big stuff. And yeah. so it's it's fine. Yeah. I, because not only do I love performing in theater, even more, I love watching theater. I love everything about it. Um, so I'm mourning like, <laughs> I'm mourning my career right now and like not having, not be, not maybe feeling useful at all times. Um, which is a whole other thing, but I'm also mourning like not being able to witness my favorite pastime, which is like seeing theater and and it's it's um, theater is so it's cathartic. It's just like writing. It's so cathartic to like sit and be told a story in real time. And I know a lot of people have talked. There's so many conversations around this around like why that is a thing and. Some people say it's because, like, you know, we've always been to- told stories from the beginning of time. I don't, I don't know what it is about being in a room with other people, being to- told a story, and being taken away. Um, but it's different. It's different from movies. It's different from anything else. It's different from music. It's just like there's something about it that that I just connect with on such a deep level, and I I care about so much. And it's it's been really hard to not not have that going on mm-hmm. um and then on the other side it's been it's been hard not to be acting and then it gets into more like c- kind of career worry and career um thinking like oh shit oh shit like should i just 
should just do something else. And it's also been hard. <laughs> There's so many things I could, t- we could talk for hours really, but it's also been hard too of seeing, you know, the people who work, I know this is a theater podcast, but I'm going to get it a little actory into film. And absolutely. TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the people who work in film and TV a lot, like I have a lot of friends who are working um, constantly, consistently during this time different, completely different world than I'm mm-hmm. in, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's been, I'm happy, so happy for them, but that's been hard as well. And it's a different hard than when, than if this wasn't happening. I mean, there's always the difficulty of, you know, your, whoops, sorry. There's always the difficulty of um, when <laughs> there was no COVID, when, you know, you're not working a lot and someone else is working a lot, that can be hard and you're hearing mm-hmm. about it, of course, but there's a whole nother thing when, you know, your career is there. Your, your theater is shut down. What you work in is fully shut down. You cannot work in it. And other people are able to do kind of their passions. That's hard. And I know that sounds, I don't know what it sounds like, but it's just been difficult. Um, I think that we have to be honest about, about that and, and not discount um, the feeling behind it because, you know, I've been thinking, you know, okay, do I, now that, you know, auditions are online, do I move out of the city? Do I go back to school for something else? Because who knows when this is going to come back slash, you know, even before, you know, even before this, I was having like, as we all do as actors, doubts of being like, okay, is this going to give me, is this going to pay me enough to give me the lifestyle I want? And that's Mm. specifically with theater, I think too. One of the questions, the big questions is, 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 you know, the idea of, of whether, you know, you're thinking like, do I leave the city? Auditions are online. I don't know if they're going to stay online. I think this is one of those questions like yeah. when theater opens up, whenever that is, when we start doing those auditions again, are those going to stay online? Because I kind of feel like those work better, especially for theater in the room. Oh, yeah. I hope to uh, God that they are not online for theater. That's mm. too much. It's too rough. They're so... Especially for theater, it's just not. You, no, you got to be in the room. Yeah, you got to be. You can't the room. really get the sense of whether somebody has that that presence if you're online. You can't mm-hmm. really get the sense of of what's their, how does their voice fill the room online? You need so many tactile things yeah. in person for theater. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Years ago, I struggled with many of the same things yeah. as you, and there was no pandemic at the time. Yeah, but it was the whole. You get to a certain age, and you're like, huh roommates ramen for dinner like all of these little things like is this is this the life i want and mm-hmm. and you have to you start to make choices do i go back to school do i find something else um and if i find something else does that mean that i am no longer an actor mm-hmm. yeah if i'm making the sacrifice to um to stop doing this does that mean that 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 I'm no longer an actor, which is a thing that I love being. Yeah. And it's hard to specifically with theater because it's like, I would love to go back to school um, to learn, uh, to study because I love learning. But, and you could do, if I was just focusing on TV and film, I might be able to do that because mm-hmm. it's such short days or whatever. Like you have short little stints, but for yeah. theater, it just seems like, Maybe I'm sure people do it, but I'm like, oh God, like I would, I feel like I'd just be out of it for, for however many years. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you're going back to school, definitely, yeah, definitely that becomes a thing. Um, If you're doing self-produced theater, then you get to make your own schedule. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing work with other people that, you know, then you have to like start hoping that your boss is flexible and things like that. There are so many things to balance. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been really fortunate, but also I've been really personally very uh, specific. Yeah. Like some people, and it, this is really easy to do if you enter like the business world or like an, uh, the office world is you get can get sucked into that. I have to check my email all the time. Yeah. I have to answer that at all, all the time. And you don't. Yeah. You know? And once you start putting walls around it, you know, you and and insisting on, no, once I leave, this is my time, then it becomes a little bit easier. But it's it's not an easy choice to make. And I've, I know the things that I sacrificed in, in deciding to take a full-time job. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard. And, you know, I'm sure so many people listening will feel, <laughs> be like, yeah, that's me. I mean, I've talked to, I talked to actors about it all, all the time, literally all the time. If you don't question it, I'm like, that. that's weird to me. <laughs> I'm not no, it's totally to weird. It's totally weird <laughs> not to, especially, you know, like, I think I started to question it. Okay. I questioned everything when I turned 27. Mm, when I turned 27, that was a lot of people hit. They're like, oh, 30 is when you have your big crisis. I always do my crisis like a couple of years before the big <laughs> milestone. So 27, <laughs> I had the crisis. 30 was like, whatever. But 27 was like this big crisis year. Um, yeah. And it was so weird to be doing it at that time, but also just like, how do you not question like your the choices that you've made, especially when you know people who are like, oh, who bought a house? They what? Know. You know, they're having kids. They're doing this. They're, like, how is that even possible? It's hard to to see that happening. Yeah, it, it's such sometimes it feels like it's just sometimes it feels like we live such a different life from like uh, from the only example I can give is like from the people I went to high school with. Yeah, don't have jobs in the arts or just aren't actors who just go to work nine to five, do their thing, can buy a house and have family and like just do their thing. And it's uh, sometimes it feels like you're like an alien. You're like, wow, I'm really living a whole other existence here. I mean, even going into an office situation um, and, and, you know, I know that the world that I inhabit when I'm not at that office is completely different from everybody else who's at the office. It's yeah. one of those weird things. Like we work in the same place, but we move in different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I've always felt in every single Joe job I've ever done. And I'm also, I just, just side note, I'm horrible at every single Joe job I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but truly, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> so bad. But yes, I've also, I know, I know that feeling. Mm. I know that feeling. Um, now, with all of these, these emotions about, about theater, um, are you, are you leaning in a particular way? Or is it just like, sort of like these things that are weighing on you right now? <sighs> I, I grapple with it every single day. I know I do. I know I want more than just being an actor. Um, I, I would love to do like, I, I would love to branch into um, directing and, and dramaturgy. I'm so interested in all of theater. So I would love to try as much as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But even outside of that, I'm interested. I'm interested in like psychology. I'm interested in, I want to, uh, I'm really interested in mental health advocacy. Hmm. and I'm like my dream job would be like I would love to, I just love learning I would love to study I, I never went to you know I've never went to an actual university our our school was very um hands-on old yes. school theater school yeah. you know rolling on the ground good like not that I didn't love it I absolutely loved it but I didn't have that kind of university thing and I and I feel like I would really like it um, so I know at some point in my life, I want to do that, but I'm not ready to, I don't think step away from theater and acting. There's, I don't know, man. I just, I want, I want to, to say that, that, um, because you do other things does not force you to step away from acting. And I want to make that super clear for, for, for anybody who's listening is that you can get a job in an office and work full, full time and still find time to do theater. Yeah. You can go back to school and study something else. You can do psychology. You could become a a, a life coach or you could like, whatever it is that you want to do doesn't take away the fact that you are still an actor. Yeah. No, you know what, Phil, you're so right. And it's like, I don't know why I think that, but it's this fear that as soon as I like do something else, um, that that means that I'm going to be out of the community. I'm going to not feel fulfilled. I'm going to regret it or something mm. when, you know, I know it's not the case, but I don't know why I have that idea in my mind. But these are things that these are narratives that we tell ourselves, right? These are narratives mm. that, you know, and, and I don't know when you were at George Brown, and it might be different from when I was at George Brown, but they really made it seem like 
you can only be an actor. Don't do anything else. Be an actor. Otherwise, don't bother. And, you know, years later, like people are writer, director, actor, uh, dramaturg, fight choreographer. There's so many things. There's so many hyphens in their titles. But at the time, like that was so drilled into me that when I started to think about 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 getting another job, I, 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 I thought, well, that means that I can't do something. I can't be an actor anymore. Yeah. And it's just not a true thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When I went there, I felt the same way, not to shit on George Brown, but I did feel like it, it was, I felt like it was training to be at Stratford and Shaw. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which like, I went into theater school and like, y'all are not hiring me. (laughs) No, but that was, that was so um, my experience as well was that, that what they were training us for was to be the traditional actor track. Go to the audition, get the job, try to get another audition, do that audition, get the job. That's your life. Yeah. Yeah, I think other, I mean, I'm sure they've moved away from that now. I don't mm-hmm. actually know because I don't know anyone going there currently. I know people teaching there. Um, <laughs> so I I hope they've moved away from, from that now just because that's just not the way the industry is anymore. Like, you just have to do a million things. Yes. Get yeah. by, unless you're a super, super, super lucky actor who gets to work constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even then, those people also sometimes do, you know, directing or whatever other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always kind of like whenever I talk to people now who went to theater school where they, you know, had devised theater or got to do mm-hmm. Other stuff, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Wish <laughs> I got to learn that, but you know, it is what it is. And I also learned lots of. I learned. I felt like George Brown gave me lots of technique. I learned technical stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I I don't regret my time there. I do wish we'd done more about like how to create theater on your own and totally. how to self produce and things like that. But I do feel like, you know, as we know the theater world is all encompassing, right? Mm -hmm. I know people who are working five jobs just to keep their theater career going. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like a little acting job here and a little acting job there. And they do the, the, the medical simulation stuff. And they're in there, like so many things just to keep a roof over their head and just to work. And it can be all encompassing to do that all the time. But I would hope that this pause, if it's taught us anything, if it's taught us anything, it's that um, we can not be on that treadmill and we can still be actors. We can, we can take a break and we can still be theater people, theater makers. We can do something else and we haven't lost our artistic soul. Yeah. You, that's a hundred percent right. And as much as I, I may hopefully have, I think I've sounded a little negative so far in our conversation and I don't mean to, it's just, I go through a variety of emotions at all times um, about this kind of stuff. But I will say on a positive note that, yeah, to tie into that during this time. So I was, so six months in hard depression about all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Feeling useless, which is no one should feel that way because that's how you get into major depression. It's not great. Mm -hmm. Um, Feeling absolutely useless, not having a job, you know, all that, all that stuff. Um, One thing that I have learned and, and uh, is a really positive thing is that you cannot, at least I cannot, but I also think this is good for other people. You cannot tie your identity to what you do, to being an actor. You just can't because no. it's then as soon as you don't get a job or <laughs> um, God help us, there's another uh, quarantine uh, COVID mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. You feel like a total piece of shit and you yeah. feel useless and you feel like, oh, I am, I, I'm lost. I don't know what to do because I don't have any part of myself. I don't know any other part of myself, but the person constantly hustling to be an actor or constantly hustling to make theater. Um, that is something that I was like forced to uh, deal with and grapple with because I was that person working a bunch mm-hmm. of jobs to make everything to just, to just act and to just be in, in theater. And now 
I feel like I've, it's actually been a really positive uh, experience, full of growth for me mm. to come to, to learn about myself and different sides of myself that actually have nothing to do with me being an actor. Hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it all comes down to like, if you, if you let other people define your identity or you tell, you have a story that defines what your identity is, um, then you sort of get stuck. You know, unless I'm doing these things, I'm an actor. I was talking to somebody a while back who had begun to write. And I was like, oh, how do you feel? Because they were talking about all the hyphens that they have in their, in when they describe what they do. And I was like, are you going to add writer to that? And they were like, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. <laughs> and it was like, but you're writing that you get to be a writer when you choose to be a writer. You get to be a theater maker when you choose to be a theater maker. That's you're deciding what that identity is, not, not anybody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. I went through the same thing. I like wrote this play and then, <laughs> and then I put it up my uh, Twitter or whatever says like actor. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put writer. Oh, yeah. there. So I put writer and I was like, oh no, I don't know. People are going to think I'm a, no, they're going to know. It, I went through that whole thing. It is ridiculous. Like no one cares. Like be did a writer. You, I'm a, but you I'm left a it there, right? You left it there. <laughs> yeah. I did leave it there. And how long did it take you to put writer on your website? Do I have it on my website? You do have it on your website. <laughs> Nick, um, I, that was a later. Oh, it, it it was later. It was later for sure because I feel like that's like more professional. So like more professional people would be looking at that than my Twitter. Oh sure. So um so yeah. Oh, I'm glad I have it on there. I forgot. I put you have it you have a section called playwriting. So yes. it's like yes, yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's it's so that everything right now is so in flux that I think that. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it is because I think that we're spending a lot of time not admitting to this stuff right now. Yeah. And it's important for everyone to talk about the feelings of loss of theater and 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 not knowing what the future holds and and who am I and what am I and do I do I give up? Do I get a job? Do I move away from Toronto? These are big questions that I think we have to address. Totally. And yeah, totally. And also um, the mental health stuff that has come up from not mm -hmm. working. Like yeah. that's a, that's a really, really hard thing. We are, we live in a capitalist society and we are programmed and raised to um, feel like our worth is our job and yeah. making money. And then when that's taken away from you, you're like, who am I <laughs> and what do I have? Yes. I'm not contributing to society, which is so not true, but you know, that but it feels like it. If you know, does. we have this, this very, uh, I want to say Victorian, but I don't know if that's it, but there's this attitude towards work and productivity that we have that is like, you no, know, if you are not constantly going, then something is wrong. I know. I know it's true. It's true. And I've even seen like a lot on like Instagram of being like, just, just towards artists being like, Hey, you don't have to write a play. It's, it's okay. If you didn't write a play during this time, it's okay. If you didn't consume tons of theater, it's, it's okay. Like you didn't have to be going and making art if you didn't want to, like, yeah. don't feel the pressure to pressure to do it. But I, you know, that's, easier easier said than done it is easier said than done but i think that it's you know i don't think that when when this pandemic is over and we're welcomed back we're going into theaters we're going into rehearsal halls we are not going to be at that opening night looking around the room and thinking well that person didn't do a, do a zoom play they didn't that person didn't do something like it's just going to be like yeah. we're back here let's let's enjoy yeah i can't wait for Maybe everything either. to come back. I, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm like so excited to go to opening nights again. I feel like it's going to be like the roaring twenties ever, as everyone says, really, <laughs> I really can't wait. I want some serious parties. Yeah. I feel like I, I was joking with some friends that like, even 
even if you didn't love the play, you're going to be on your feet being like, yes, this well, was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Those, those first plays back, that come back when the theaters are fully open yeah. and you're having your first full house, they get it. They're, they're going to have such like, it's like, we're going to be so happy to be there. We are going to give them standing ovations just because, because yeah. for theater. Yeah, yeah, for theater. Oh fuck! I really hope I'm an actor in one of those shows. Just so like, <laughs> <laughs> be like, man, we're rock stars. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, just as we start to to draw to a close, yeah. um, and just to sort of lighten things from the serious conversation, one of the things I've been talking about with everybody for since the pandemic started is about joy, mm-hmm. because I think we all need a reminder of the joys in our lives and, and hearing the joys that other people have are, are super important. And so I was wondering for you, what's been giving you joy? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I've, I'm at my mom's house right now and she has these four big, beautiful trees in her backyard. And I sit outside sometimes when it's nice and I watch birds. So I've become a birder. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> and it brings me joy. If you haven't birded, I don't know if that you can say birded, but if you can, I think it. you can. I think okay. You can. If you haven't birded, I really suggest it. It is so soothing. It brings me joy to watch birds. I don't know how to explain it other than like, it's just, it's just fucking cool, man. <laughs> also, um, what brings me joy? Okay, so we did a we did a, a homemade high high tea that brings me joy. Tea basically brings me joy. Birds, <laughs> um, being in nature it always brings me joy. Um, all the time, it is my number one thing. Uh, being in nature, um, which is funny that I live in Toronto, but it is what it is. And uh, what else? Uh, getting mail. <laughs> I love getting mail so much. Um, so those are just some little things that have been bringing me joy lately. <laughs> thank you so much. Those are, those are great. And thank you for, for this this conversation. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Phil.